0: Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software. FastDraw, FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. Doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team, and 85% of Division I college teams are I wanted to announce a new partnership between you and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry, and it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When it, the folks from InnerZone came to me at you and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, Two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what InnerZone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of InnerZone with your team, whether you're a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash innerzone. That's I-N-N-E-R-Z-O-N-E. Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Serenate. Today is a uh, really fabulous time. You know, we get... Uh, Bob Ritchie, the head coach of Furman University, who's currently, you know, as we're taping this, uh, 29th in the country, uh, 25th in the country, incredible, the first time in their school history they ever reached a top 25, 9-0 and as, as we're speaking, but has really, what you're finding is a, a terrific young coach, uh, 34 years old, who's just really uh as solid as it comes of all the people I've interviewed over the last several years, he's really got a great philosophy of way to do things. I think you're really going to enjoy the way he approaches everything at Furman. And I think you'll, from everything that we go into, I learned a lot and I know you will. So after this timeout, where we talk to some of our sponsors, we'll be back with Bob Ritchie, head coach, Furman University. <laughs> Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at Dr. DishB ball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right, mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Hey, welcome to another edition of a Coaching You podcast. I'm really excited about our guest today, Bob Ritchie, the head coach of Furman University. And the thing that is really uh, amazing as we're doing this podcast is, uh, you know, they, you know, yesterday uh, they became the, went to 9-0 and by beating Elon. But they also, for the first time, I believe, Bob, in school history, we got ranked in the top 25. Congratulations, my friend.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. It was a neat moment for for our team and our players, and really, to be honest with you, for the whole program. And uh, there's there's a lot of people that that paved the way for that day to take place. This, this goes well beyond the context of our current team, and uh, you know this has been this has been a journey, and and we've got a lot of people that have that have been involved in this, and to see the progression of the program, and you know to get to hit that milestone at this level was, was something to celebrate. And really, to be honest with you, just something to be thankful for and to remember the journey. And, uh, you know, that's what we did. We got the news on Monday and right at our team meeting, we, we started our team meeting and we just, we, we walked through the journey. And, and, you know, one of the guys that I had the pleasure of hiring last year was Daniel Fowler who, who played for us last year. He has the all time starts record in Furman history Wow. and, and he's our director of recruiting and the first thing we did is I asked him to talk about his freshman year, which was, you know, five years ago. And he sits in the room and says, you know, we just hope to win 10 games. <laughs> and, and then, and then I went to Matt Rafferty and I said, talk about your freshman year. And, you know, we were 17 and 16 in the regular season. And, you know, we got, we, we, we started to make some progress and we started to show some signs and then we just walked through it. And it was really neat, you know, to take those, you know, 10 minutes to just kind of go through the journey because that's, that's what makes all this special. Right. Oh, and, that, yeah. and then and then we kind of wrapped it up, you know, that, hey, that's awesome. This is what got us here. But you know what? This means nothing. And and this this means nothing in terms of the outcome of, of future games. This means nothing in terms of what we're trying to do. And we're simply not satisfied. And we've got to continue to grow. And, um, you know, and I thought they did a great job of balancing the separation, of balancing the celebration with you know, the mission and what we've got to continue to do forward going forward.
0: And it's so hard when you're dealing with these young people and, you know, on some of our podcasts, some of my favorite podcasts is actually with a guy out of Atlanta, Dr. Tim Elmore, who, you know, specializes with young people like this. And I think as coaches, a lot of times, even though we work with these people or as parents, we raise them. We really don't know about them, <laughs> and, and you're right. And this, and, and he's opened up my eyes, and I have a 35 and a 32 year old, you know, that I raised, and 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 you know, and frankly, I was unconsciously competent, you know, didn't know what the <laughs> hell I was doing, and somehow it worked out. And I think, you know, to to get these young people to get them to connect, Bob, what an amazing thing. And and you know, on your journey back, starting at Charleston Southern. You've always been a great recruiter, and and, and that's the the life support system of college coaching uh, is how or why are you such a good
1: recruiter? You know, I think being a good recruiter is such a generic term, right? I mean, there's there's all kind of different ways to do it, and everybody kind of gets a label of what does that mean. You know, I think that one of the best pieces of advice I got, fortunately – you know, I got my start at 23 years old with mm-hmm. with Barkley with at Charleston Southern, and I got to go on the road right away. And I think that's something that you don't see a lot in the business now. And I right. and I got to I got to start young and early. And I had I had actually John Shulman told me this. He was the head coach at Chattanooga at the time, and he told me a long time ago, and he probably doesn't even remember it. But he said, you know, we started winning at Tennessee Tech not because we beat a lot of people for certain guys we found and evaluated people that nobody else knew about. And, and he said, he said, that's going to be the trick, right? Like, can you evaluate? And, you know, he went into talking about that. And I took that to heart at Charleston Southern when I was young. I thought, you know, what makes a great evaluator and what does that look like? And, and I started really trying to figure out, like, we're not going to go beat all these bigger schools to bring in kids to an 800 seat gym that doesn't have a ton of tradition. Like we're going to have to go find guys that in two or three years, people are saying, Hey, where'd those guys come from? Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, that's a whole different equation. And, and you know what, that's, when I got to Furman, it was kind of the same thing. You know, we were 341 in the RPI and we went and signed that class last year. There was Devin Sibley and Daniel Fowler and John Davis and Jeff Beans. And it was a bunch of guys that had no offers and they were able to turn the program and so I, I credit it more to that of just being able to, um, you know, I've always had a rule in recruiting. This is really simple, but one of my first rules in recruiting, I don't recruit anybody that I don't enjoy talking to. And, and it sounds so simple, but I think there's, you know, we talk about how do you build culture? I think you recruit culture. I think that you select culture in a lot of ways because it's it's something where if, if you can't connect with that person and you don't enjoy that person then how in the world in that in that marriage over the next 4 or 5 years how is there really going to be any joy in that and and getting people that you enjoy working with that that you can you can really get in the journey with and you can really invest in them because you want to and they want to receive it i think that when you can start to build that over time that's when you can see a lot of the a lot a lot of the fruits of your labor
0: so and i agree with you and and at the collegiate level and in the nba level we have a lot of head coaches that can really coach, uh, but they can't evaluate. And 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 I'm talking NBA level. I mean, there are guys that really can coach, but you send them out there and say, "Hey, who's the first pick? Are you, who's going to be your first round pick?" They, they they can't they can't pick the right one. They wow. can't and because they're looking at the wrong things. So when you're looking now, whether you were Nico's assistant or now as the head coach, what type of player? What are you looking to fit into your style of play?
1: So the first thing I'm looking at is the person. Right. Like I, I, I want to know do they have certain indicators when I'm looking at that player. And, and you got to go back to Charleston Southern, but we still do this here as well. I think the biggest—I shouldn't say the biggest—but a fundamental mistake that's made in recruiting is the question is brought up: How good is he? <laughs> and 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 I think that I think that's a very important question. But my picture of all this has always been. If, if I only can recruit players at their current talent and that's, and that's what we get and they don't get better, we're never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. So, so my question quickly changed to, okay, not how good is he? How good will he be? And not does he have potential, right? The, the, I, I used to love hearing and people always say it. He has so much upside. That's so irrelevant in this whole deal. The, the upside is completely irrelevant. And I think we make a lot of mistakes on upside. The, the, the whole equation right there is, do they have the potential to get to their potential? Can you find the qualities in that human being that they're going to be able to go out there and do what they have to do that's necessary to reach that potential? Because if they don't, then it's coming back to, it's coming back to the program. Right. And so I, you know, simple things, right? You know, we we talk about wanting kids to work hard where well you better go identify certain things in their character and in their traits that proved that this, this point that they do work hard because if they don't they're not going to start working hard for you that's that's not reality right if 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 they don't connect with people they're not going to get in your program and start connecting with people if they don't have resolve, if they don't have a certain amount of endurance, if they don't have a great support system to handle certain types of adversity, all that stuff is you none of us are good enough to change all that and so you've got to have and it can be different for our, every job you've got to have a checklist of I- identifiers where when you're going through this process that you say, hey, here are the five or six things that we're going to identify, and if we see one that doesn't fit and it doesn't work, we've got to have the conviction to be able to walk away. And, and at the same time, if we see a player that nobody knows about and he's got six or seven and he checks them all off, don't look back. Like, mm-hmm. like Go in that thing with full conviction and just see what happens. And we've got story after story of those, and it's like our team now, I mean, Clay Mounts, you know, he's had a phenomenal start. He's the one that got the dunk at Loyola to finish the game. He hit the big three in overtime at Villanova. Yeah. Nobody wanted Clay. <laughs> you know, like, like Noah Gurley right now, I mean, we he redshirted last year. He's a freshman. He's starting for us. He's 6'8", he's 200. You know, he didn't have anything. And and we we have a whole group of them. But I'll tell you what, our kids know how to connect. They understand team. They understand how to work. They're enthusiastic, and all those qualities were identified in the evaluation.
0: How about that? Obviously, then, uh, with what you're telling me, player development becomes a yep. huge part of what you're trying to do. No question,
1: what no do you, doubt about it. Yeah. So, what? What?
0: what are, what's your thoughts there? Because I, everyone yep. says every school. I don't care if it's the biggest Power Five say oh we got a great player development program it's like a buzzword you know a culture you know player development oh we're the best at it you know well everyone's not the best what do you guys do that what do you emphasize uh with these young people to really help them grow because your kids are growing
1: yep well well here's and this is a long answer but i'm gonna try to i'll try to i'll try to pack it in as tight as i can I think we make the mistake in our world sometimes of compartmentalizing the person versus the player. Right. And what I just talked about previously, that goes into player development, because really the way we look at it. All right. If you if you said, hey, what's your mission as a program? And you can only give me two words. All right. You got to sum up your mission as a program in two words. I'm going to tell you grow people. Okay, period. And that and that's that's all encompassing. Okay, so that goes to today at 5 o'clock, we have a, a tailor coming in that's going to – he's already done all the suits for our players, and we're spending an amount of money to teach these players how to dress, right? Phenomenal. We, we, we do the etiquette dinners. We do, you know, resume-to-play programs. We do leadership training. We, we are investing in the whole person. And so what happens is if you identify people that want to grow at a rapid rate and they want to constantly have a deliberate spirit about improvement – okay, then what's going to happen is the best player development programs are led by the player themselves, okay? None of us are magicians. We all want the credit. That's kind of our business, right? Like, we know how to do this. We know how to do this. At the end of the day, last night, I didn't make a single shot. I didn't dribble a ball one time. I didn't, I, I wasn't even on the court, right? Those players have to do it all. So you've got to find people that want to grow. And then now all of a sudden you build a staff and you build resources and you have a system that is able to enhance those players. And that's what we like to call it. We don't like to call it player development. We like to call it player enhancement.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because now what we're doing is we're enhancing the player. But we want the player to understand, and we talk about this daily, it's their responsibility. They've got to drive the development ship, right? And I think as coaches, we think we drive it, and we want to feel what that feels like to say that we drove it. But if you get somebody that's determined and you get somebody that wants to be in the gym, now all of a sudden, right, You've got to have a plan for them. And so for us and the basketball piece of it, and everybody's different here, you know, we want all our guys to be at a dribble, pass, and shoot, you know, and that sounds really simple. But unfortunately in the game, you know, it's gotten taken over by, you know, measurables and athleticism and, you know, all these other things. To me, I'm a little bit more of a purist. I still think it's dribble, pass, shoot, you know, see and feel. And so, you know, we're going to – if you came to practice this afternoon – One through five, guys are going to be, you know, dribbling the ball. Guys are going to be cutting. Guys are going to be passing. Guys are going to be playing on the perimeter. Guys are going to be playing in the post. Um, We try to really play through concept. And so basically, you know, like I told you, a little bit of a long answer, but we want in our player development, and our player enhancement program, it all wants to fit to our identity, right? So you should be able to see when you go down and watch a skill workout today after we played last night you should see some bleed over, right? You should see some of the game last night in some of what they're doing today and vice versa. If your if your if your player enhancement and what you're doing on the court looks completely different than how you play, <laughs> then obviously it, it's harder to build. But if you can connect it all, I think it speeds up your it it speeds up that player development in a lot of ways.
0: So what initially gets me is that you started at an incredibly young age. You'd become a head coach by thirty two you win 23 games your first year you you're 9 and 0 right now. Where the hell did you learn everything? It's awesome.
1: You know, it's uh I've always my dad always was on me about as as I was young like you got to be a life learner and um you got to constantly try to find ways to improve and everything and you know, I just I've always read. I've always been a huge reader and I've always tried to figure out like, you know, even four or five years ago, I started putting my philosophy together in terms of okay, if when I get my shot, what's it going to look like? And I've also been very curious over time of how to build programs. And you know, growing up, I grew up in South Carolina in Columbia, and um, you know, Lou Holtz kind of took over the South Carolina football team when I was when I was younger, and. You know, I remember him coming in there, and and the team was 0 and 11, right? And and he kind of just revitalized that program, and mm-hmm. I I watched that as a fan. And then you know, Spurrier came in, and then now down the street we have what Dabo's doing, and 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 all that stuff is always for some reason I'm very curious, but I always like to get inside that stuff and figure out like what's what's moving the needle, and um and and and, and I just think over time, you know, you just try to. You try to continue to reinvent yourself. You try to find ways to improve yourself. And uh, you just you just be open to feedback in a better way. And, you know, you're going to make mistakes along the way. And you got to learn through those. But, um, you know, it's just I've still got a ton to learn. But I think that, you know, I, I am open to try to, you know, even in these moments of of quote-unquote success, there, there's a million things we have to do better, and that's where we've got to commit our focus to.
0: You know, I study football coaches like crazy, oh, just like, and and they're they're, they're phenomenal. And Dabo is one of my absolute favorites, and uh, John Gordon, a dear friend, uh, is a real close friend of him. and And the thing I love about Dabo is when he literally took over ten years ago, and as interim. Uh, he mentally took it on as permanent, and and I remember, and John tells the great story about how, you know, when they had a they, they'd won a few games, and 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 a guy at a board of trustees meeting said, you know, we want our program to be like Ohio State, you know, in front of him, and he says, you know, in all due respect, sir, I hope Ohio State wants to become like Clemson. And, you know, mm. and, you know, in your uh, interim basis, you know, after a few games and, you know, that and you know what, I just love his spirit, you know, it makes him so special, you know.
1: He's, he's, he's incredible. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've been blessed in a lot of ways to be around a lot of great people and have a lot of great mentors. And, you know, one of my closest friends in the world directs their recruiting. And, um, you know, he's, he's because of that, I've, I've had opportunities to spend with Coach Sweeney and you know, a, a few at length. And um, the best thing about him is he's, he is what he is. He is what you see. I mean, he's authentic as they get. And, um, you know, he's just a, he's he's a, he's a regular person that has an unbelievable care about student athletes. And he wants to see people grow and he wants to see people bloom where they're planted. And he commits the resources to making sure that happens. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, I got the job last April and uh, I got, I got to have, you know, I got to spend some time with him in August, right before they got kind of cranked up with camp, and it was it was about seven o'clock in the evening. I think I ended up leaving the facility at eleven thirty, and 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 everything that he told me that night. I mean, just to just to have the have the ability just to sit there and listen and to let him, you know, go through some things how he built that. And the neatest part about that whole thing is everybody talks about that that new building they have, right? Sure. And and you hear about the slide, and you hear about all the you know, the, the, the bowling and all that stuff. But the neatest thing about it, if you ever have an opportunity to go over there, when you walk in the front doors and you look to the right, the first door you see is the life skills program and, and, and the Paul program. It's the very first thing you see when you walk in the building. And there's just a commitment to, to make sure that they build people the right way. And, you know, so I do, I mean, I, 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 I watched, I watched them closely and uh, I think there's a lot to learn in just how you build a program and how you sustain success over there.
0: You know, uh, as when you decided how to play, um, you know, was it, how did, how does one young, and this is a question for really, you know, our ton of listeners is that as a young coach, how did you decide your style of play?
1: So, you know, I think the f- biggest thing on that is, and this was my experience, you got to decide who you are first. Amen. And, and you've got to figure out what do you like? Because I don't think it's about what you can teach or what you can coach. It really comes down to what you can fix and then what you can have the conviction to stick with when it's not going well. And, and, and I think a lot of times what happens when we don't commit to our personal philosophy, we just kind of grab and pick and we just kind of pick a little bit of this and that's working. Let's try this. Okay. So now I'm not really convicted to it, so it's not working. So I'm just going to change. And then when you change, it impacts everything in your program. And then a lot of times that can cost you. And so what I started doing is just how, how do I see the game? How's the game enjoyable to me? What, what style do I like? And, you know, as I was, you know, in my twenties and getting, you know, younger in my thirties, it was just, I like, I like tempo. You know, I like spacing. I like the three, I like the three pointer. Mm-hmm. I, I I love cutting, you know, I love, I love ball movement. And so you start, okay, so now you take that and you're like, all right, what coaches do I like to watch? And so for me, it was, you know, Lenny Cuff at Huntsville. It was John Belon at Michigan. It was Rick Bird at Belmont. It was, you know, you know, even Porter Moser and what they're doing at Loyola and, and Jay Wright, what they're doing at Villanova. And then you just start blending it. Right. And you start, you start creating your system, and you put your own, you know, I guess, quote unquote, flavor on it, but it's con- it's consistent with your personal convictions, and um, and then you enjoy it, you know. And, and and when you see something new, and and you see something that kind of fits in with that, you're not always searching for something outside of your identity. Now you've got your identity, and when you're innovating, you you can you can you don't get it sidetracked, right? So so there's not 25 teams you can watch. There's probably only four or five. But you, you're consistent with who you are, and um, so that's that's what we've tried to do. You know, we've tried to we try to play. You know, we're we're not breakneck speed, but we try to play with pretty good tempo on and miss. Uh, we we really pride ourselves in spacing, and and we pride ourselves in ball movement and cutting. And um, you know, so that's in our kids. To be honest with you, on top of that, what I would say is I, I also with my personal conviction, I also had to make sure it was advantageous at the advantageous at the for the place I was at. Mm -hmm. And so, so Furman, right. Furman is academic. It's rigorous. Um, you've got, you've got a certain academic standard that you're going to have to adhere to. And so can, can our, instead of our style of play going against or resisting that, can we find a way to make that advantageous? Right. Can we figure out, you know, it's the whole, it's the whole David Cutcliffe of, you know, why come to Duke, right. It's a basketball school and it's academic, and he gets up there and he says, you know why we're going to win at Duke? We're going to win at Duke because we're academic and we're a basketball school. <laughs> and, and so so same thing with us. Like how do we take what, what the coaching world sees as a negative with our academics, how do we build a style of play that maybe we can get, right? We can get a cerebral component to it. We can get a toughness component and, and, and a skill component to it that you know what? This is going to, this is going to make it to where we can still recruit at a high level inside our identity at a place that's going to resemble and align with our institution.
0: That's, that's phenomenal. And so well thought, you know, I love the coaches that, you know, you study and stuff like that and you look at, how did you, um, I don't want to say, how did you come upon? That's a better word. Uh, Lenny Akov.
1: So uh, I got a couple of friends. Mark Price uh, is a close friend of mine. He was uh, an assistant at Belmont. And uh, he also used to be an assistant at Furman for Jeff Jackson. And he's actually who connected with me with Jeff Jackson that, that opened the door to me coming here at Furman in 2011. Wow! So Mark Price worked for Lenny a long time ago. and uh, And so then when they made, this is just how you know, I always say, you know, God's humor and all this. I mean, you just see right. when you look back on the journey. So in 2013, we're fired at Furman. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I don't know what's next. Okay, and and by the way, not to get off on a tangent on this, I didn't know Nico Medved at all. No way. And um, and so so now they've got this thing boiled down to seven candidates. And I've got a few of them calling me, you know, I'm 29 years old. I'm their interim head coach. I know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not staying, you know, it's just, it's it's chaotic, right? And one of those guys is Lenny Acuff and he gets an interview. And so he reaches out to me and uh, we meet in a hotel in Atlanta.
0: I was there with Lenny that same time when he was interviewing. Go ahead. This is fascinating. He's a great (laughs) friend. I love him. So,
1: uh, so he says, Hey, let's talk. And so I go to his hotel room, and again, uh, it was probably about six thirty, seven 7 o'clock, and I don't think I left till 10.30. And, uh, you know, it was offense. It was program. It was how do you build a program. And I just thought, wow, this guy's incredible. And so then I started watching his teams, and I started watching how they play, and I fell in love with it. And, and I just thought, you know what, these, these are concepts – that also are run with tempo and spacing. And, and this is like, this fits, you know, this fits me, this fits Furman, this fit, this fits the whole thing. And, and so I just, to be honest with you again, like, I think the last five years, uh, one unique practice that I've done is I've watched, I've watched a full season of a team in an off season. And it takes a long time, but it's been an incredible learning experience for me. And one year I took I took Huntsville, and I just watched every single game. And you know, and then I started to develop a relationship with Lenny. He and I we get together face to face twice a year now, at least. Um, I, I went to Huntsville. Uh, Nico actually flew in as well from Colorado. We had a great time in May. And then Lenny came and scrimmaged here in the preseason, wow. and you know we had a great time there. And he's just been an incredible mentor to me. Uh, as good of a coach as he is, he's even a better person. And um, you know, so he's been a he's been a huge impact and, uh, and an influence for me. I'll
0: tell you, uh, this is this is for our listeners to tell you how our world is and how you should receive coaches. So I, I'm in Atlanta. I'm sorry, in Orlando, where I'm living. Uh, Doc Rivers is one of my former players with the Hawks. He's living in Orlando. He's coaching the Magic. I think I'm with the Knicks at the time. And we, we both live there. And we have a dear, dear friend of ours in Orlando who's a very, very wealthy businessman named Stan who Was a great player at Auburn. And Stan calls me up and says, I want you to come to a gym today this is during a summer AAU tournament at Disney. And he says, I want you to come to this gym today at Lake Highland high school. There's a middle school. I want you to come to this gym and gym is about the size of our kitchen. Right. And he says, (laughs) I I, want to show you and doc rivers, this coach I found, you want Mm -hmm. us to come and watch this guy. Okay. He, I said, who is going to, he says, he's got, uh, his 12-year-old's AAU team is going to demonstrate, okay, and Jeff Turner, one of my former players with the Magics, is coaching Lake Highland Prep School. Oh, he, yeah. he's, Jeff is a great guy. He's there too because he's opening up the gym for us. So it's Jeff Turner, myself, and Doc Rivers. And this guy walks in. It's Lenny Acuff. How about that? And he shows us his offense. And Doc Rivers and I are sitting there going, Holy shit. God, this is the best stuff we've ever seen. The next thing you know, he's Doc's out on the floor asking him questions. I'm asking him questions. And we're going, this thing is incredible. And incredible. and we were mesmerized by him. And uh, you know, and and so uh fast forward the following um year, he called me up. And Stan Van Gundy, I think, had been fired as coach of the Magic. And he said, Colton said, Hey, would you, Lenny Colton said, Would you do me a favor? I'd love to meet Stan Van Gundy. I said, No problem. And so we set up a, a day for him to go and spend, he flew in and spent a day with Stan. And then I went to dinner with him at night. And I told him at dinner, I said, You know, all this stuff you're doing, we could do this in the NBA. You should be coaching in the NBA. And he was like really excited about it. And his daughter called me up who was a student and said, Don't you dare tell my daddy to believe it <laughs> you know. But I, I really believed it. He and then we had him speak at coaching you in Orlando and he just blew the doors off he oh, he's I, I, i'm glad you i'm glad you, you know you have exquisite taste I'm, i i just got to compliment you on that you, you know the lenny Aikoff is a treasure and any of you that don't know lenny Aikoff, study lenny Aikoff because he is a treasure and stuff I, like i i just really i believe that that is that is such a neat thing uh but i i love i love lenny and i think that's boy that is good what a style to master he 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 we had him at coaching you a few years ago and we walked out of there and said my god that that is some of the best stuff I'd seen, and I thought I knew everything he did, and he showed me all new stuff <laughs> right. uh, you know and i just, that's uh,
1: that's that's the best thing about him is is he constantly evolves and he's constantly looking for a better way, and um you know that's what makes him great he's creative, he's innovative." But but he's not somebody that's going to sit here and say this is how I did it ten years ago, and this is how we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And you know, if you pop in a tape right now, it's going to look different than it did six years ago when he's doing which I, more. Which guard, I think is
0: great because you, know? you got to and, keep and, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, now how did now how did you come? I think a, a big thing now with coaches is defensively. How did you figure out how you wanted to play?
1: So you know that's that was. You know, I I got to give all credit there. You know, to Nico and uh-huh. you know what he taught me there. I mean, he's he's got a phenomenal basketball mind and, f- and exceptional defensively for sure. He brought he brought an identity here defensively that we've really just stuck to. And uh, again, it goes it goes back to how do you have success at Furman? You know, and, and yeah. we thought that it had to be a, a connected. You know, tough minded man to man defense that was built on team. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing crazy. You know, we, we don't have five or six different defenses. We, we have, we, we have our defensive identity. We got a couple ball screen coverages mm-hmm. and, and we just try to go and build as much connection through it as we can. And, you know, it's, it's what I learned through him. You know, I, I'd been exposed before I started working with him, I'd been exposed to more individual defensive improvement drills and and then you know you 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 build up to your two on twos and your three on threes which is all great stuff. Sure. But he was so much more in terms of the connectedness of five guys and and how do you build that and how do you really create the the synergy amongst that group to be able to go out there and play on principle. And um you know and and, and how do you build that in practice? How do you build that in the preseason and, and instead of having ten different ways to do it, how do you how do you focus on your 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 one way of doing it, but you're also your built in contingencies around that. And um so so basically, you know, we're 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 different offensively, but really if you popped in a game now uh and you popped in another one three years ago, defensively it's gonna look basically the same.
0: Yeah, that you know, I think one of the things and I do a lot of clinics now in this Uh, fall and stuff. And one of the things that I've seen in coaching uh, from back all the way when we started, UB Brown being my high school coach, which is incredible when I think about it, you know, and all of a sudden I, I I think about, we all learned back then and, you know, it was up in the Northeast. So you had the Bob Knight, UB Brown uh, influence type of thing. That was the way we all played man to man. And we all did all the drills and, then we went to shell and everything was four and four shell. And then several, several years later, probably maybe until I got to the pros, you know, we're in the pros, you're still doing four and four shell. And then all of a sudden in the pros at one point, it just hit me. And I said, you know what? We're playing five on five and all these rotations, four and four don't work. <laughs> and, and so i said to Chuck Daly one day, I said, Chuck, I, I, you know, he's, you know, the most, one of the most incredible, I think, coaches ever uh and i said chuck i hate to say this you took your team to the finals last year but i really think we can improve defensively if we do five on five drills (laughs) and chuck had a wonderful saying he just would ever say if he didn't want to agree with me didn't want to disagree just said whatever and and so i just next day i just put in some five on five drills And I didn't tell him I was going to do it. And and so what we started to do is we used the plays that we would see during the year from the best plays in the NBA and, you know, 30 Mm. teams. And and those were our shell drills, the best teams. And I've tried to share that with coaches this year. The high school coaches totally resist. But the college coaches, they accept, but then they go back and they do their four and four. And I just think the kids nowadays that you and I talked about connecting with and teaching – I don't think they understand what in education, you know, you were a business major, you're way smarter than me. But in education, we, we, you know, said transfer of learning. I I just don't think kids understand when you say, okay, we're going to do this two on two, three on three drill. And now, oh, no, this is that's how it applies to five on five. And and it's just something that just made sense to me way into my career. But now I'm trying to help people by telling them, hey, this is what I would do if I were you nowadays. you know,
1: I tell you, yeah, I mean, with all the ball screen coverages that we're all facing now, I mean, that fifth defender is vital. And, um, <laughs> you know, you got to guard a ball screen with five guys.
0: Think you about that. Guard, Think about that. The Imagine guarding a guys. horn screen with four, you know, a horn's pick and rolls or, or any of the pick and rolls with four guys. And you're yeah, going to yeah. hard hedge, you know.
1: It's hard. Yeah, can't do it. It's hard. It's hard. And, you know, it's also, you know, one thing, one thing that – I really took from Nico that I thought was a, was a huge strength is that de- defense defenses is, is heavy schematics. There's no question about it. You mm-hmm. better have, you better have your schemes, right. But, but it's also understanding multiple efforts and the amount of intensity that's required and then figuring out a way in practice that you can build in that accountability, the right way to motivate them to play that hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's a huge chunk of it. Like we all have similar defensive schemes, right? Like there's only so many ways you can teach a hedge. There's only so many ways you can teach rotation. There's, there's, there's not, you know, 85 different choices you have out there on how you want to defend stuff. But I think the greatest defenses, they, they do it a little bit faster. They react a little bit quicker and then they're a little bit more connected in their movements. And how do you build that? You know, and I think that's where, that's where the, the progress and the increase lies. And, you know, this is a great story. Uh, going back to how we how we built this program that I think could help a lot of coaches. I know this helped me a ton watching this, but taking you back a little bit in the journey to to our second year here with 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 Nico, we we had signed four freshmen his first year, and all four of them were in our top six that mm-hmm. second year. Okay, so this is 2014, and we're playing all these freshmen, and they have no idea how to guard. But they're talented and they can score it. But we're losing all these close games, and and then sometimes, occasionally, getting blown out. We go up to VMI; they hit a million threes on us one <laughs> night when Dugger's there. And and then there's there's three games left in the regular season, okay. And I think at the time, I could be wrong on this. I think we had only had seven wins somewhere in that ballpark. We go to Greensboro on a Sunday afternoon, and we get beat by forty, okay, mm-hmm. and you're you're on the bus and you're in the locker room and it's just kind of like hey we got western and wafford then we go to the conference tournament we'll probably be out in the first round and let's get to recruiting and and let's let's fast forward this thing a little bit and you know that would be the natural human Absolutely. reaction to a lot of that right i mean let's just let's just move on and um i remember nico coming in to staff me and he said you know guys we got to keep we got to keep at it we got to find a way to get these guys to figure it out and so <laughs> This was we had Western Carolina in here on Thursday on a Thursday who had already beat us by 20 at their place. And on Tuesday, we have a practice and here was the practice. They've got we're going to go we're going to go purple versus white 5 on 5, okay? The first thing they have to do is they have to execute our offense and they have to get a great shot. If they do that, they get to they get to go to the next phase of the game. Now they get to play in transition. They're going to have to execute transition defense properly, right? We're going to have to get top safety. We're going to have to communicate. We're going to have to find shooters. Everything's going to have to be perfect. If they do that, okay, now they get to guard. If they guard correctly and they communicate and they jump to the ball and they do it the way we want, now they get to see if they can finish the possession. If they rebound and secure the ball and they do all that, they get one point. And he looked at the staff and he said, he said, we're going to play to three. And we're going to be here as long as we need to be here.
0: Mm.
1: And what happened was, is we go in this practice and he told us, he told us, he said, look, don't go out there and yell at him. All right. I don't want anybody carrying on. I don't want anybody, you know, this, this isn't about us versus them. This is how do we help them? How do we bring more accountability? And when they don't do it, just blow the whistle, tell them what they didn't do and then flip it. I'm not lying to you. We were in that gym for two hours and 45 minutes and, and finally a team got to three. And what happened was, here's what's wild, okay? The players were walking off the court, and he said, that's the funnest practice I've ever been a part of. I still remember Stephen Kroon telling me that, who ended mm. up being player of the year in the league the next year. But he said, that's the funnest practice I've ever been involved in. And what it was, now it was February, right? But but we were practicing the game with full accountability. Yes. And and so then Western comes here. Stephen Kroon, our best player, is hurt. Or no, no he, he got hurt at the end of that game. We go on to beat Western Carolina here. And then we play Wofford at home, and we lose by a possession. Oh. and and they, and they were phenomenal. And Mike I mean, they, were, is one they, of they were that yeah. year. That's that's Carl Cochran and Lee Skinner and all those guys. They were phenomenal. Okay, and then we go to the conference tournament, and that's that's the run right there. That's when we we almost found ourselves as a ten seed in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. because we we beat Citadel by by a large margin that first game. We knock off Chattanooga. We knock off Mercer, and we're on ESPN playing Wofford again wow. with that same team, and, and and lost by three. And and what that taught me as a coach, going through all that, and we still do it. I mean, we've probably done it three or four times. You know, this 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 season, this preseason, it's it's still all about can can you practice the game? Yes. You know, can can you practice with? Can you get your guys to play free? with a sense of responsibility and a high level accountability. And you're constantly trying to find possessions of perfection. You know I mean? That's what we're all chasing, right? Like, like how can you practice great possessions? And so many times as coaches, we just want to check it off. All right. We worked on that for 10 minutes, but was it, was it really at the highest level? Right. Was it, did you really, really get better? And, and did you really try to be as great as you could be in that single possession? And, um, you know, that's, That's something that that I think we all can take from, you know, in the coaching world. It's not always about the drill. It's not always about what you're doing. It really most of the time comes down to how you're doing it and, and what type of what type are you doing your job? Are you doing it at a high level? And are you doing it consistently?
0: Bob, that's one of the best things anyone's ever shared on our podcast. It's phenomenal. And, and, and you're right. That's five on five. And that's called accountability basketball when you're keeping score like that. And, and I think really one of the key things that was being done by Nico and you that in that practice is when a guy makes a mistake. I think we, make him, we as coaches make mistakes by yelling and screaming <laughs> at our players rather than correct the behavior. Because when a guy makes a mistake of something that we taught him, it's probably because I didn't do a good enough job teaching him. And and I think that that's why the results were so good, I think, for you guys, you know. And so thanks for sharing that. That's incredible. And, you know, and, I, you know, I think we've done, you know, in the last couple of years, one hundred and twenty podcasts at coaching you and this is the first time i've ever interviewed anyone that graduated summa cum laude from college so this, this is <laughs> but this, this has been so much fun man i get really out. appreciate it and I, you know what i can't wait to get up to greenville and uh you know, and, and meet you and see you in person, and uh, you know, and and, and spend a day with you. Larry Shire has a great home about a half hour from your campus. That's right. That's and right. so, you know, maybe Shy will even let me stay at his place. You know, you know. Well, you know, we've we've
1: we've got plenty of room here. You're always welcome. Well, we would well, we would love well, to host you. That would be our honor.
0: Well, you know, thank you so much, and again, uh, congrats to what you're doing with Furman, and it it is so much fun to see this is this is really what basketball and this is what coaching is about, and, and i'm I'm excited for you and I love the way you're celebrating and stuff like that so thank you again, Bob, and I appreciate and continued success to you guys
1: well, I appreciate it and uh thanks for having me on, and look forward to talking with you more here soon.
0: thank you, Bob.